Michael, joined by Alex as always. How's it going? And this is Fallen Through Plot Holes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. And this is part two of our little mini-series on Double Dragon the Movie, a movie that was at first supposed to be for adults. Then it was for kids. And then it ended up somewhere in between, maybe? I don't know. We're going to find out as we talk about its plot today. Alex, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm I'm excited to discuss this young adult, also kids, karate action movie in New York, Ohio. New York, Ohio, actually Los Angeles, as it actually turns out. Los Angeles. Yes, that is the big twist. This this is a oh, this is a post-apocalyptic movie that takes place in Los Angeles. Just to start out with. Okay, cool. I've seen clips of this movie. It doesn't look post-apocalyptic at all. You actually may be surprised. Oh. Yeah, it. Oddly enough, there's going to be a lot of things about this movie that I think are very weak and not well done. Mm. There is one thing that, and this is something that the reviewers also noted was actually a good thing about this. Their depictions of a post-apocalyptic Los Angeles are shockingly well done. Hmm. Like, you know how, like, the Super Mario Brothers movie, like, didn't look its budget at all? Like, right. it looked, like, really cheap and kitschy in many ways? Mm-hmm. This is kind of the exact opposite. They somehow go above and beyond. Hmm. And in fact, I was going to do this a little bit later, but I think I'll just do this right now. Sure. I'm going to just show you actually like kind of like what it looks like. Won't even need to play the clip. I'll just kind of just like share my screen. You can just kind of take a look at what they've done for Los Angeles here. Like, yeah, like kind of like Mm. take a look at that. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's like that's like pretty darn good. And like there's like a lot of like really really good like shots of like really well done matte paintings of that yeah yeah there's a lot of good like like you said matte work there i also i like the style that it is like bombed out and post-apocalyptic but not like oppressively so mm-hmm. like it 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 doesn't feel like completely bleak and barren yeah it is almost like strangely enjoyably apocalyptic Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah, and, like, I think a big reason for that is because it takes place during, like, it's during the day. Mm -hmm. And there's, like, a lot of, like, color still. Like, it's not, like, like zero color or anything like that. And I think that goes, like, a very long way to just establish. Yeah, definitely. Just a a lot of greenery. Hmm. Yeah, totally, totally. Trying to find another good shot that might... A more difficult ah you know you you get the point yeah I, I don't think we need to belabor this one too too much so yeah i it ends up actually like looking really really nice in a way that honestly i've really appreciated mm-hmm. I, and it's also like a really funny like kind of post-apocalyptic where they like give like new names to everything right they're really really stupid <laughs> and so just kind of give you the premise of why uh los angeles is post-apocalyptic in the first place so this takes place in the far-flung future of 2007. Okay. In the year 2000, Los Angeles gets devastated by a giant earthquake that basically turns into an island. Okay. Like Hollywood Boulevard is now a river, for instance, mm-hmm. and like people do boat tours to go and look at the Hollywood sites that are now underwater. Okay, that's like no, this is a good. I like this setup. It's a really good setup, and like, yeah, like. Basically, the whole idea is that this city is completely dystopian mm-hmm. to a point where, like, gangs have taken over, mm-hmm. but they rule at night. The police take the cities back during the day, <laughs> and they right. basically have an uneasy truce. Mm. 
And like, what's really funny though, is that Los Angeles is the only city that's been devastated and it's now called New Angeles. Ah. But like all the other cities in the world are also given stupid names. <laughs> New York is now known as Old York. Sure. Which is like, but there's already a city called York. That's why it's called New York. Right. Like, it's like stuff like that. It's like real, real good. Really, really good. I love mm. it so much. So the movie starts with this narration. Thousands of years ago in ancient China, an army of shadow warriors terrorized the city of Qingxiao. To save the people, the good king sacrificed himself to make a mystic medallion, realizing the ultimate powers of the medallion. He split it in half, giving one half to one son, which gives the power over body, and one half to the other son, which gives it the power of soul. This is the legend of the double dragon. <laughs> we then cut to somewhere in China as shadow warriors kung fu a bunch of monks of, and then set fire to their village. Ninja Darth Vader then shows up and whips a bunch of people and asks, where's the medallion? It turns out, though, that all the monks have cut out their tongues so they can't speak. Luckily for Ninja Darth Vader, though, he sees a monk run into a cave five feet away. Inside, he finds it lit up with candles. And then one of the monks gestures over to a statue and he finds one half of the medallion. So it turns out this scene that appears to be in the past actually is not. It's the present day. Because mm. Chinese Darth Vader opens up a super techno briefcase that is also a communicator. Takes off his mask to reveal that he is actually a lady named Linda Lash. Based upon the same character mm -hmm. who's a lady who has a whip in the sure. game. And she calls her boss Shuko. Tell him she's found it. This is the last time she's going to dress up as Ninja Darth Vader, and it's sad. Yeah. I, re I really like Ninja Darth Vader's look. So we then cut to this weird island dystopian city of New Angeles. As once again mentioned, devastated after a giant earthquake. So this city is constantly being hit by aftershocks throughout the movie, by the way. Okay. And like... It's great because like an aftershock will happen. People will freak out be like, don't worry, it's an aftershock. And they'll have to jack their buildings back up. <laughs> like apparently there's a whole like business of like people selling jacks to people so they could jack up their houses and whatnot. <laughs> like old plumbing commercials and whatnot. It's, right. it's great. I love it. So back with the voiceover, we find out it's coming from our main villain, Kogashuko, played by Robert Patrick, who tells his team, including Lash, that the medallions were hidden away by a princess prevent them from ever being used for evil. So he says that people have been looking for the double dragons for centuries, but now it's his. As he opens up the case containing the medallion, he is disappointed to find it's only half, but just having half allows him to turn invisible for some reason. And he then demands they have to find the rest of them now. So we then cut to an underground karate competition where we see the brothers Jimmy and Billy Lee fight another team of karate guys. So we find out that uh, Jimmy is like the serious older brother and Billy is the jokester younger brother who doesn't like listening to Jimmy. And when Billy tags himself in, he like basically doesn't take the fight serious and does stupid stuff like jump on the guy's back and gets him immediately disqualified. So they lose. Oh. So the other team taunts him and they immediately they just beat the shit out of them, <laughs> which then causes a karate riot. Cool. So one thing I want to point out is that these fights are very Power Rangers-esque, and I'm going uh -huh. to be using that phrase throughout this. Yeah. And what I mean is that this wouldn't be out of place of something like, well, once again, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers or Big Bad Beelborgs or a mm -hmm. similar derivative show. 
And what I mean is that they are technically impressive fights with like some good hits and like good impact. Mm -hmm. But they're landing in such a way where everyone gets up and doesn't look visibly hurt. Right. And like almost every punch or set piece is very clearly set up. Like they will run into like place, they will pause, and then they will execute their move. And the other person will pirouette or cartwheel away. Mm-hmm. Like it's something that if you watch like a Power Rangers like fight and whatnot, you, you know exactly what this is. Right. Okay. So like right here is the part where if you sell this movie to kids, it's going to work. And if you sell it to not kids, it's not going to work. Absolutely. Like, yeah, this, this is this is the generational divide. This is, did you grow up on Power Rangers or not? Absolutely, yeah. Like, being a huge fan of Power Rangers, I looked at this and went, oh, yeah, no, this is instantly recognizable to me, yeah. what they are doing. Like, yeah, and it's, are you here for Power Rangers or Bruce Lee? Exactly. And it's also very indicative of, like, the quality of actors and whatnot that they got, where they got mm. two actors that are actually very good at, like, executing moves. Right. But you can clearly tell they haven't been trained in, like, martial arts choreography. Right. That's why they have to do what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's the same thing with, once again, Power Rangers, where they got a bunch of martial artists who weren't necessarily actors or trained in that way. Right. And then just went, let's just do martial arts stuff. Yeah, like, there's a big difference between being able to do forms on camera and being able to spar quickly on camera. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So that all happens, and then we cut to a newscast that is anchored by some dude, and then it gets wild immediately after this, because, confusingly, his co-anchor is Vanna White playing herself. (laughs) That's kind of amazing. It is amazing, and she does a really good job of playing, like, a slightly airy, like, news anchor just by, ha-ha, boy, the weather was sure hot today, real scorcher, I hope you brought your umbrellas. And the other one being like, mine was full of holes because of the acid rain. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Remember to get inside before curfew so the gangs don't murder you. <laughs> <laughs> so also Andy Dick is there playing a weatherman, which is just weird. Yeah. Yeah, that one's less fun. Um, I, I feel like they might be leaning a little hard on like the pop culture references for a kid's movie. Yeah, just a little bit. Like, like I get it, but, like, freaking the kids aren't going to get this, man. No, they are not. They are not. So, yeah, yeah, that's all happening. And he, like, so these anchors warn that daylight savings time is coming. And, like, in a very cheerful way, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen, and you don't want to be out after curfew, because that's when the gangs come out. Mm-hmm. Also, apparently, New Angeles has radioactive rain, and... Like, people, like, have to wear oxygen masks sometimes to walk around. It seems like hell. I don't know why people are living there. I don't, I don't know. So, we then cut to the cops, like, retreating back to the police stations at night and being like, all right, are we all secure? Is everyone in? It's like, yeah. It's like, all right, cool. I'm going to go home to my nice suburban home now. You cops stay here. <laughs> so, we then see that the Lee brothers and their caretaker slash mom, I guess, whose name's Satori, are driving home after curfew in their battle car <laughs> when they immediately fall for a trap from a gang called the Mohawks. They're called the Mohawks because they have Mohawks. Wow. There's very, like, uh, the Warriors-style gangs uh-huh. in this, where there'll yeah. be, like, there's a gang called the Postmen because they wear Postmen uniforms. There's a gang called the Clowns because they wear clown makeup. Stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Now... The Mohawks are led by a man named Bo Abobo. These are one other uh, reference to uh, the actual characters in the game that's going to be here besides Marion. Right. Yeah. So he walks over to the car and immediately he's like, give me $50. And 
and they're like, we don't have $50. So he's like, all right, cool. Well, I'm going to take Satori's necklace then, which it turns out is the other half of the double dragon. So she doesn't want him to do this. So she just stabs him. Oh, my God. Yeah, in the arm. And they immediately drive away. So <laughs> this car is amazing, by the way, because we mm-hmm. learned this car is powered by trash. Ah, uh, right. <laughs> the center console just has a furnace. and They're just throwing <laughs> trash in there to make it go faster. It's oh, it's so good. I love this car so much. <laughs> now, what I don't love is the car chase that happens because it is so unexciting. Mm. Like they are clearly driving about 20 miles per hour while mm-hmm. basically like an armored truck chases them with a, a Bobo in it. Right. Like they throw a newspaper on a Bobo's windshield that causes him like to get blinded. But this just has him pull out a really bad early, early 90s, like 3D graphics periscope. Uh... Well, the periscope comes out and then it's like 3D graphics on a screen. I should point right. out. It's it's amazing. I love it. There's so much bad, like early bad, like 3D mm-hmm. graphics in this. And it's like, hmm. Love it. Flat shaded polygons all day. <laughs> so they managed to crash into a narrow alleyway that causes like a bubble to crash as well. Mm-hmm. Um, although he's like really stoked out about it. He's like real, having a lot of fun with this car chase. And so Billy and Jimmy get out of the car only to have a bobo bust out all super ready to fight. But then a bobo like gets a little scared and he decides to run away. And they're like, yeah, man, you're scared of us. Yeah, the Lee brother, we were going to kick your butt. And the reason why he ran away is because trash ninjas repel from the rooftops. <laughs> and it turns out there's like a trash ninjas who are like blending in with the graffiti by wearing jackets with the same graffiti decals on it. And it turns out these are a bunch of precocious youngsters led by Marion, as once again played by Alyssa Milano. They're a game called Power Core. Okay. Sure. So Power, Power Core and their gang of misfits are basically like the good guy gang mm-hmm. they're here to basically retake the city from the evil gangs and they really want to recruit the lee brothers because they're like really good at fighting but jimmy is like no you're criminals and he's like right billy and billy's like no she's hot i want to <laughs> join him right <laughs> so like billy and marion obviously have a thing for each other but Jimmy's like, come on, we got to go, man. We got to get a, get a home and get away from these criminals that saved our lives. Uh-huh. Yeah, these so, criminals who have done nothing wrong and are the self-reported force of good mm-hmm. on the streets. Also, what have you done? Get into a car chase where they toss a bunch of trash into a, basically into a trash compactor and then crashed. Yeah. So, yeah. And started a karate riot earlier that day. <laughs> to be fair, at least that was fun. Yeah. So, yeah. It turns out the um, Marion was there not only to kind of pull their butts out of the fire, but also to get something called a gangnet linkup, which is like a little tablet, essentially, communicator device that is like the gang internet. It's how all the gangs communicate with each other. Wait, why are the gangs communicating with each other? I don't know, but they are like, they have basically like a government, as we're going to find out. What? Why? <laughs> I'm not sure. Th- doesn't this defeat the point a little bit? You kind of, but you know, we gotta have something to arbitrate disputes. I, I, I thought that was fighting. You would think so too. I thought but they'd no. get on a street and fight each other. No, they're gonna have a gang government. Okay. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. She wants it so she can like attract the different gangs or whatnot. Um, so they all go home. Uh, the Lee brothers and Satori to uh, their incredibly cool abandoned theater home. Sure. Like, they just live in a movie theater, which okay. I'm like, 
That is rad. Yeah, that's cool. I got to say, like mid 90s, like kids action movies are really good about having like cool homes for their protagonists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie where they just move into that train station. Mm. Oh, that's so good. Mm -hmm. I wanted to live in that train station. (laughs) So at their cool ninja theater home, Satori tells him about the double dragon and how their father discovered the medallion and gave it to her before he died to keep it from falling into the wrong hands. Turns out she hid the other piece in China so it would never be found. Well. Well. <laughs> she mentions that dark forces know of its existence. And Nick gives it to Billy to wear from now on. So. Okay, wait, what prompted this whole revelation and bestowing thing? So Jimmy's like, when are you going to tell us about the double dragon? She's just like, I guess now. Now, now that the cameras are rolling. Yeah, we got to move this movie along. So let's just do it. Yeah. the. Sometimes actions sort of happen a little bit more arbitrarily than they should. Fair enough. So, back at um, Ashuko's skyscraper headquarters, we run out, We find out that basically Ashuko has a bunch of businesses and he basically runs this like the clean parts of the city and whatnot. Mm-hmm. He's like a billionaire and all that. Uh, Abobo reports that he uh, almost had a medallion and he's like, oh man, how was I supposed to know it was? And Shuko's like really disappointed him. Because he's like, I need to get it so I can rule New Angeles. And he's like, also, I don't like failure, Bobo. And then he has Lash lead a Bobo away, telling him he's failed him. And they take him to the basement, where they're going to inject him with so much steroids that he'll have the strength <laughs> of 10 men. And Bobo's like, but I already had the strength of 10 men, and this will kill me. And Shuko says, eh, perhaps, but Bobo, you're like a son to me. Which means I can have another. And there's only one double dragon... So get into the steroid machine. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I love this scene so much. Uh, yeah, villainous insanity established. Mm-hmm. It's great. So in a very nice home, we find that Marion's dad is a cop, specifically the chief of police. Ah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. She, for some reason, like wears a wig to hide that she's part of the power core. Like her brother like is like, I'm going to sell you out to dad and say you're part of the power core. She's like, Shut up, no you're not. <laughs> now, Marion's dad thinks the power core are terrorists, and of course Marion's like, but the power core are good, daddy. Why aren't you going to go out and fight criminals at night? And Marion's dad's like, you just don't understand how the world works. So, the next day, This, she goes, this feels but, like a part of the Paul Dini script that survived for sure. Absolutely, right? It absolutely <laughs> does. <laughs> this is very much... Yeah, yeah she's Batgirl. She's Batgirl. She's Batgirl, yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, so the next day, Shuko shows up at the theater and tells Satori, hello, Lotus Flower. And we learn, oh, they have a history. So we learn his full name is Kogashuko, formerly Victor Geisman. <laughs> he explains that Victor Geisman was not respected and that he secretly was the reincarnation of a Japanese warlord. <laughs> And so he figured he'd take the name Kogoshuko so that people would fear and respect him. Yeah, that'll do it. Mm -hmm. That's a good plan. Absolutely. There's nothing weird or weeby about that. Nope. Not try hard at all, Shuko. (laughs) I should point out that Shuko has like bleached hair that is like standing up like Guile style. Uh Like, oh, it's such a good look with the goatee and everything. Oh, man. Also, he really hates natural light, so he's constantly wearing sunglasses. (laughs) Which is really funny because, like, when he shows up and, like, announces himself, 
he and all his henchmen take off their sunglasses at the same time. And it's, <laughs> oh, it's good. So he goes, give me the other half of the double dragon. I know you have it because I was literally on the same expedition as you two idiots, <laughs> which is like, ah, uh, Tori, <laughs> why'd you hide it in shiny? He was going to know. Yeah, wait, yeah, none of her plan makes any sense now. It doesn't. <laughs> Whoops. So she refuses to give away the medallion. She's like, you'll just never find it. Which is why then Billy walks up the medallion around his neck like a dipshit. He's like, <laughs> hey, mister, wow, you also have a medallion. That's kind of crazy. It's like my medallion. And he's like, give me that medallion. <laughs> <laughs> So they have to run away while Satori and Shuko have a Power Rangers level Kung Fu fight. That includes a fun gag where Shuko is kicked through a paper wall made to look like a brick wall. Cool. It's a fun gag. I like it. Yeah. So Shuko eventually is like, oh man, Satori, you haven't lost your touch. But I'm going to use my half the double dragon now. And I'm going to tap into his powers. And he turns to a shadow that chases after her. So... Once again, this is another movie that I think for its budget does punch above its weight when it comes mm -hmm. to special effects and like action sequences. Mm -hmm. Like we're about to get to the river scene where there's going to be a, a million explosions. And there's also this like the CGI of like turning into a shadow, which I'm not going to say that there weren't better CGI around this time. Right. But like it's like better than what you're going to see in the Super Mario Brothers movie. I'm going to tell mm -hmm. you that right now. Fair enough. So back to the Lee brothers. They're about to leave when the door blows open, and now a now mutated Bobo walks in, and boy, does he look messed up, Alex. <laughs> like, basically his neck and head have fused together with his shoulders, and, like, he's just bulging with muscles. Mm -hmm. Like, he basically talks, like, kind of like the Goombas from Super Mario, like, just, like, one-word mm -hmm. sentences and whatnot. Uh, he hasn't lost his intelligence, by the way. He, he just plays dumb in this scene, and then later we'll just decide to speak in full sentences. Oh, it's, okay. I don't know why they did that here. But sure. anyways, they go like, yeah, we can't take this guy and run away. <laughs> the, now, he's eventually pushed by Satori and comically falls into a net and is defeated. Uh oh, okay. Yeah. He never actually fights this entire time. Oh, huh. So Satori tells him to hand over the medallion while cracking her knuckles, which are like, uh, you seem angry. At, uh, uh, you're not actually Satori, are you? And it's revealed that no, because then Shuko's voice comes out of her. So they immediately like trap her in a cage, only to watch Shuko's shadow leave her body. And he's like, huh, man, that's really sad that you just uh, trapped her in that cage as he smokes a cigar. Mm. Be a uh, real shame if uh, all my men just dumped gasoline everywhere and set this place on fire. I guess uh, if you gave me the double dragon, you know, yeah, he'd let you get her out of there and you leave. And they're like, we're not going to do that. It's like, that's cool. Light the place on fire. So they light the place on fire and all leave. And if Satori's like, gets like annoyed at their attempts to just gently open the cage and she just kicks it open. <laughs> <laughs> so they're all about to escape as Shuko decides, actually, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to follow up. So Satori just stays behind and decides to fight Shuko and locks him out of the theater and says, run, keep the double dragon safe. And so Shugo's like, well, that's dumb. I'm going to leave now. She's like, all right, I guess I'm going to just die in an incredibly <laughs> big explosion. And then they just blow up a theater. Oh. Yeah, they just blow the hell out of that theater. It's like, I saw that and went, that's a good explosion. Mm. Good One on you. One of those condemned buildings that they just got the rights to go nuts with. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, City of Cleveland was like, yeah, no, please blow up the cedar. We're going to demolish it anyways. <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty good. Nice. Okay, so th- this is completely irrelevant, but the literal next scene is just a cool early, like, cool early VR. Mm. Yeah, first run VR where you see a little kid using a VR headset, and he's, like, being excited. He's on a roller coaster, and it's like, ah, uh-huh. uh, man, literally 20 years later, we're going to do the exact same thing. Yeah, turns uh, out. Isn't that great? No. Yeah, I guess not. It's back then it was great. We were like, wow, the future. Now we're like, wow, the yeah. slight past, but still. Yeah, it's not quite great. Oh. Oh. So the next scene after all this is that there's we're at some sort of weird gang pit and all the gangs are together talking about what they should do and going to have a vote and everything and like I decide how they're going to administrate the city and stuff because they're gang government. They're led by a gang spokesman, a gang president, if you will. But but only only at night. Only at night. So Shuko then walks into the gang pit and he's like, hey, idiots, you will do what I say. And they're like, no, he won't. You're lame. You're just a lame <laughs> dude who took on a Japanese name. <laughs> and he's like, what if I turn into a shadow and then use my shadow powers to choke your leader to death? Which is exactly what he does. And I the rest mean, of the gang. Yeah, yeah fair. Yeah, no, that's what the rest of the games go. They're like, that is cool as hell. Hell yeah, we're going to help out <laughs> you, you weird businessman with mystic powers. <laughs> so back to the theater. A Bobo is rescued by some Power Core members who pull him out of the theater. Um, and basically they torture him into giving him information by feeding him spinach. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's some real tone shifts going back and forth here. Right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a reason where I'm like, oh, yeah, this movie did get rated PG-13 because of, like, the weird choking a guy out and stuff. Yeah, but then, ha, eat the spinach, idiot. Yeah, yeah, you know. How do you like spinach? It's nasty, isn't it? Tell us everything about Shuko. So, Billy and Jimmy are just hanging out by the water as, like, Billy looks at old photos of Satori, and Jimmy is being surprisingly chill about Satori being dead. (laughs) Billy's like, don't you care about this? And Billy, and like Jimmy's like, Billy, stop feeling sorry for yourself. We gotta move on. And it's what? like, damn. It was 30 minutes ago, dude. Yeah, like, I think you can mourn. And Billy's like, man, I'm getting out of here then. And Jimmy's like, ah, yeah, listen, I'm just, I'm just upset because she didn't tell us about the double drags beforehand. And listen, man, we got each other. You know, we got each other, bro. And they're like, yeah, we're brothers again. And so okay. now they're like walking down the city streets trying to figure out, okay, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to get at Shuko? And then they turn a the corner and run into literally every gang member in the city. <laughs> Ninjas, Mohawks, clowns, postmen, and everything. And they get into a big old Power Rangers fight. And it's great. Honestly, yeah, this is a scene that a double dragon movie should have is walking down the street and then attacked by every gang member. Oh, yeah, because, like, they'll, like, run away and then they'll, like, get into a fight, like, on top of, like, a school bus or, mm-hmm. like, next to, like, a broken down wall or whatnot. The way the gang members fight is basically by screaming and running at them or jumping off of, like, three-story buildings and then falling flat on their face. <laughs> I get so good. Like, there's so many scenes of, like, a gang member just, like, jumping off of something tall, yelling, and then just belly flopping. And I yeah. love it every time. Yeah. So they get trapped in a boathouse only to find a boat that they boat away on. They are then, of course, chased by gang members on jet skis who shoot missiles at them. Sure. And this is bad because it is established that the river is flammable. 
which then causes a giant explosion. And then they eventually crash into a suburb road sign that explodes. So now everyone thinks they're dead. But of course, they're absolutely fine. Right. So Shuko is angry because no one can find the medallion, which should be at the bottom of the river. And then Shuko just has like a fun temper tantrum where he just complains Lash that all he wants to do is just rule one American city. It <laughs> can't be too much to ask for, right? And so Shuko go Suko goes, you know what? I'm just going to do things another way. I'm going to go meet with the chief of police. So okay. Billy, while he's doing this, Billy decides the best way is to go and meet up with Marion and team up with her, which Jimmy is reluctant with, but he's like, well, we have no other options. So they go to Power Core headquarters, which is... Power Core headquarters is inside a... Um, basically a concrete support for one of the broken down highways. Mm. And what's funny is like they walk up to it and says, please use other door. And they go like, this is obviously a trap to go to the other door. So we got to go in this one. But it turns out they just fall into a trap when they do that. And then Marion's <laughs> like, why didn't you just use the other door? They're like... <laughs> And Billy's like, damn it, Jimmy. <laughs> it's good. I like it. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not nuanced humor, but it's humor no, I it's, like. No, it's fair. It's like, I think I would actually call that ironic humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. It kind of is. So we find out Marion is basically helping out the troubled teens and orphans of the world. That's what it constitutes power core. Uh-huh. And like, she's like, well, why don't the medallions work? If you can get the medallion to work, I bet you could fight Shuko. And Billy figures out, it's like, oh, the medallions, the medallions don't work because we aren't working as a team, Jimmy. And so they sit in front of Marion and they rub the medallion a bunch and like nothing happens and they get laughed at. Like Marion's like, ah, you guys are losers. Mm-hmm. This is great. And they go, screw you, Marion. Fine, we'll team up with you. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. So at the Shuko Center, which is basically just like a nice business center, a bunch of Power Core members skate through while Marion and the brother sneak in through the vents. Marion also reveals she plans to upload information into Shuko's servers, showing the gang members that they're all not getting paid the right amounts, causing a gang mutiny. This never comes to pass, by the way. Yeah. It's so sad. This is a... Hmm. This is a weird plan. It's a weird plan. And to be fair, once again, it never gets implemented because Lee brothers cure Shuko and immediately decide to abandon her and go after them. (laughs) Go after him. So Shuko is meeting with the chief of police, telling him, Hey, listen... I'll rule the night, you rule the day, and we'll just work together. And, like, the chief of police is like, just replace one criminal with another? No way I'll do that. So while this is going on, the Lee brothers... Wait, haven't, to... haven't they technically already done that? Yeah, they have, but, you know, like, the chief of police is having misgivings after his daughter talked to him about being a coward. Right. So that's kind of the seeds of this right now. Okay. So, like... They're up in the vents and whatnot, and, like, they're looking down. They see, like, the medallion, and so they try to use, like, a magnet to get it up to them. Mm. And, like, while they're doing that, like, Shuko has their back to them, but, like, Lash sees this and is, like, what the fuck? Grabs, like, a pole <laughs> arm and just starts stabbing the... <laughs> <laughs> stabbing the vents while laughing maniacally. Rad. <laughs> Which then causes them to fall out of the vents, like, in front of Shuko and the chief of police. And, like, Marion's like, oh, hi, Dad. Uh-huh. And the chief of police is like, oh, God. And so Marion's like, I'm going to murder them. And I'm so pleased about this. <laughs> but then the chief of police like tackles them. And then they all run off while like Shuko like just casually lights a cigarette and chases after them as a shadow. Mm. So they drop down an elevator shaft and go to the basement and they find that, oh, wow, a bunch of people are being experimented on. And all of a sudden, like one of them wakes up and fights them. 
and it's like this like tall like basketball player that they just like crush they just crush him and kill him like a door. <laughs> oh. oh okay yeah but like when the door comes down and crushes him shuko's just there and he's like yeah i was just possessing him kind of funny huh anyways how about i possess this other guy and fight you now <laughs> And so this guy kind of I keep doing this in a fight that's uh like it's not the world's greatest, but I love the conceit of it of just Shuko mm-hmm. just going into like different victims of his and just like mm-hmm. biting them and whatnot. Eventually, he's just like, well, what if I just turn brother on brother and tries to like get into Billy's body, but he just deflects off of Billy and like gets like like in, in front of a fan, which then gets turned on and sucks him away. And so like, oh wow, maybe Shuko's gone. But then the fan like rotates the other way and she, he like shows back up. He's like, you can't stop me. And so Jimmy distracts him while Billy and Marion get away. So back in police headquarters, the chief of police has enough. Like, it's like enough is enough. We're going back there out at night and stopping the gangs. But the police officers refuse. They're like, this is a death sentence. And so the chief of police goes, I'm going to go out there on my own. Then gets into his battle police car and drives out <laughs> into the nights. So, Shuko decides, I'm going to make a deal with Jimmy, who's now tied up. Mm-hmm. I'll get you guys out of New Angeles if you give me the medallion. And Jimmy's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And Shuko's like, ah, you're just like your father, who I killed, what? by the way. What? Your dad wanted to put it in a museum. So, I, I murdered him. Okay. Yeah. And just then wanted what? to let you know. I, you know, and I, I guess I wanted to go back to do business. But okay. I didn't get the medallion then. Yeah. Uh, what happened? What? What exactly is the course of events with this medallion and these people? So they found the medallion. Shuko, yeah. Satori, and Shu- and uh, Jimmy and Billy's dad. Okay. Um. And basically, Jimmy and Billy's dad was like, "We should put it in a museum." Shuko's like, "Nah, I'm gonna kill you." And then Satori took it and hid it because, as the prophecy stated. The legend stated, a princess got it and took it away from evil and split it up. Okay. Ah, they're bringing that back around. Right. So that's the that's the events that happened. Okay. So, like, back at Power Core headquarters, Miriam just tells Billy he needs to figure out how to make it work while, like, laugh-halfing for some reason. It's this really mm-hmm. weird scene where it's clearly, like, a take where she, like, Alyssa Milano cracks up, but he, she just, like, immediately, like, gets back serious. Uh-huh. And I guess he just left that in. Yeah, season. sure. Whatever. We're, we're on a shooting schedule. We're on a shooting schedule. So Billy's like, I can't fight Shuko by myself. And Miriam's like, hey, you got me. And they're about to kiss when every gang member ever breaks into <laughs> the headquarters. And by break-in, I mean they jump down from, like, three stories up, face first mm-hmm. while yelling, and breaking through windows that are also three stories up and like, like basically like swinging in on ropes. It's great. Mm. So a big power Rangers fight happens. Billy kills at least three people <laughs> by throwing him into toxic waste. Okay. And Marion sure. gets captured by lash only for Billy to save her at the last minute. So we then cut back to a Bobo who's chained up in a dirty bathroom as he looks in the mirror and cries about how he's ugly. Now he then breaks free. Okay. Jimmy then shows up. And Billy's pleased, like, Jimmy, how's it going? But of course, it's Shuko in disguise, and he kicks Billy's ass. Just beats him up. Mm. Uh, he backs Billy up against a literal double dragon cabinet, cabinet uh, in their <laughs> arcade, and they get into a fight on top of the arcade, a bunch of the machines and whatnot. Alex, I tried so hard to identify which arcade machines were, like, repurposed from one, from one mm. another, because I definitely know some are. Mm. Could not figure it out, and I'm okay. so sad. 
unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Now, like, Billy's like, like, is like kind of like screwed about this. And like, he's like, man, this medallion should be causing me nothing but trouble. So he just tried to throw the medallion away, only to fly back at him and imbue him with power. What? Yeah. That, That was the trick, was to throw it away? And be angry at it, apparently. Okay. So the power allows him to immediately get kicked through a wall by Shuko. Cool. Yeah. Bill, Jimmy then realize not Jimmy. Billy then realizes, oh, I'm invulnerable. And oh. Chuko goes, okay, give me the medallion or Jimmy dies. Which Billy goes, nope, and just fights him. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. So, like, uh, Shuko, like, rips the medallion off of him. But Billy kicks the Shuko out of Jimmy. Only for okay. Shuko to put the two pieces of the medallion together. Which causes, like, Billy and Jimmy to go, oh, shit. And then Chuko to go, you said it. Boom. And then basically what this transforms him into is two ancient Japanese warriors with samurai swords who then like immediately start fighting each brother. And like the lights get knocked out and everything. And they're like barely keeping up with them. Like their attacks go through him. The swords are just able to cut through anything like butter. And like it's not going well. So Abobo shows up and tells Miriam to turn on the lights. So Miriam goes down and does this, and this manages to blind him and make him vulnerable. So they get punched back together, like revealing Shuko, and the brothers are able to take the medallions off of him. They then combine them, and they get cool red and blue geese. And then Satori's ghost shows up as the wind and goes, cool, man, guard the medallions. <laughs> and then they're like, all right, we're going to show you our secret powers. And their secret powers are just spending the next few minutes kicking Shuko's ass. They just like walk him and just like, bam! <laughs> like on the ground, they're just like kicking him. Eventually, Jimmy uses the, his path, the power of soul, to turn into a shadow and possess Shuko for some slapstick antics, including giving the police department $129 million and then allowing the police to arrest him. Sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. So then... They, they hear sirens, and they go outside to see the police are going out into the night and take it back to the city. And so the boys decide they're going to stay and help rebuild the city. Abobo then shows up and is like, hey, we should hang out. That'd be kind of cool, right? You seem pretty cool, you know? And he's, like, acting kind of cheesy. And so, mm-hmm. like, Jimmy is like, oh, Billy's using the power of Shadow to possess him. He's like, ha ha, yeah, okay, sure, Abobo. And Abobo's like, can I drive your car? Which has now been, like, souped up by Miriam. And he's like, yeah, sure. So in the backseat, Jimmy's like, man, it's really nice that I can have all this time to myself with Miriam. And then Billy's like in the trunk. He gets out. He's like, what did you say? And they're like, oh, shit, a boat was driving. And then they scream and rocket off into the night. And that's the movie. Uh, so, yeah, Alex, my review of this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is a bad movie. I'm, I th- I'm getting that impression. Yeah. I think so. First off, you can watch this movie in its full 100 and uh, do 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 145 minute runtime on um, on YouTube because who the hell knows who owns this um, the IP to this anymore? I yeah, mm, yeah. Apparently, it's Moonstone Films, and they do have a website, but they don't seem to care. So you do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. I think I, it's not a, it's not a particularly well acted movie. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think Robert Patrick does a good job of, like, hamming it up. I think Alyssa Milano does all right herself. Mm-hmm. 
Like, you can clearly tell the two main leads are, you know, it's not, it's not exactly the world's best performance they're given, but, like, whatever. Right. The plot can sometimes be a little bit, like, all over the place and muddled. Mm-hmm. But, like, when you look at it in the frame of, like, oh, no, they're making something for kids, mm-hmm. I think they succeed. It's, you know, it's a fun, like, relatively easy through line of a couple of brothers just fighting people and getting a medallion with decent special effects and, like, kind of cool action sequences. Right. That, it, yeah, just kind of doing their thing. It reminds me a lot of the Power Rangers movie. It absolutely does. That you're like, yeah, this isn't an amazing story, or there's no great character drama here, but it's like, oh, it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, like, I obviously, like, listen to, like, a lot of, like, reviews from, like, the Nostalgic Critic and whatnot, mm-hmm. who were more than happy to tell me every way this movie was, like, the absolute worst thing ever wrought on humanity. And I'm like... Right. And so I, I did come in, like, with, like, a little bit of an impression, like, knowing that they obviously overplay things, but, like, mm-hmm. being like, man, this movie, I wonder how terrible it actually is, and just being like, no, I'm actually fairly entertained. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, no, it's a, that's a cool-looking Los Angeles you did. I like Robert Patrick, and you do exactly what you need to do with it. Mm-hmm. Like, it is definitely muddled with, like, like some scenes that, yeah, probably should have been cut to just make it a little bit more streamlined or get that right. PG rating. But yeah, no, I think it's actually a decent movie that like, I wouldn't like, I'm not going to sit here and say it's good. I'm not going to sit here and say you should go out and watch it, but it's not going to have a bad time. I don't think. Right. It it sounds like it kind of set out what it was to, it, it did what it set out trying to do. Yeah. And yeah. it was just sort of prevented ultimately from doing that. By the virtue of its rating and its, honestly, its kind of weak license. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think if Double Dragon as a property was more popular, like, kids would have gone to see it anyway. Yeah, they would just have their parents come along. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it would have, it would have totally happened. Yeah, yeah, I think the combination of that, the released to, in, like, November to mm-hmm. being released only in a thousand theaters. Yeah, like, it, it felt... It really feels like a movie that was set out to die. Yeah. And then it did. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, maybe maybe this podcast episode will be our way of rehabilitating this movie of being of this movie that once again, I don't I don't think it's good, but I think right. it's, I think it's all right for what it is. Yeah. It's a perfectly serviceable kids action movie. Absolutely. You have an hour and 30 minutes to waste and you don't want to think a whole lot. Here you go. I mean, there'll be a lot of movies you could do that with, but mm-hmm. eh. but yeah. Alex, do you have uh, any big, big overarching thoughts on this? Um, it is kind of interesting. Again, going back to the Power Rangers thing, that 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 genre, um, Super Sentai, I believe it is called. Yep, is like still really popular in Japan and has been for a long th- time, mm-hmm. but it was very flash in the pan in America, mm-hmm. and like. I wonder how this movie would sort of feel fitting into that genre. Kind of wondered too. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think of like when the Power Rangers movie came out, the, the first one, not the remake. Yeah. I think it is like a few years after. Yeah. I think it was like a 95, 96. Yeah. That's thing. roughly my memory of it. Do, 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 do. Yeah. 95. Yeah. It came okay. out the following year. Yeah. 
Yeah, and like I mean that didn't exactly tear up the box office either. It got sixty six no. million off of fifteen million budget, but like yeah, like yeah. yeah, if it like was kind of like in that sort of like ballpark and like maybe marketed that way. Right. And it yeah. it is one of sort of the few instances of like a genuinely American made Sentai movie. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So yeah, it's like it in that context, I think it is kind of more interesting than it gets recognition for. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Ah, that does remind me of how Rangers in the United States is still going on. Oh yeah, somehow. Oh yeah, which is both. It's both fun and also kind of amazing. Like, kind of, yeah. I I think it is just a formula that will always appeal to like a certain demographic of like older kids Mm -hmm. discovering the action genre, and it's like just a really good, lighthearted entry point to that. That preteen demographic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I think that's mostly my thoughts on it. I I think, yeah, a lot of the a lot of people who like review this kind of I think they maybe missed the point of this or yeah. made things be like, like this doesn't respect the legacy of Double Dragon, a series that once again <laughs> It has no legacy. There is no legacy. It's two karate guys doing karate fights over yeah. a girl. Like let's not let's not be too crazy about this. Yeah, I I think it's fundamentally misunderstood on a lot of levels. Anything with the word dragon in its title, you probably don't have to treat its legacy with too much respect. Yeah, no. With, like, the exception of Enter the Dragon, and yes. that's more in retrospect, if anything yes. else. That, yeah, like, the relative first one. Mm-hmm. And then everything after that is, like, clearly just, what if that, but that. Mm-hmm. Yep, pretty much. Pretty much. So yeah, I do have to see if Double Dragon Gaiden was good. Actually, though, yeah, there's a lot of the later Double Dragon games are. First off, there's a lot of them somehow. There's right? a lot, and and yeah, like uh, I tried looking up Double Dragon. I accidentally put in Dragon Dragon. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pictures of dragons, which yeah, I imagine know, that's what I wanted. Um. Yeah, because, like, yeah, there's, like, yeah, Double Dragon Neon, there's Double Dragon 4, and, yeah, there's the, yeah, Double Dragon Gaiden, which, yeah, I think came out, God, not that long ago, right? A couple weeks ago, yeah. Oh, jeez, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, they were advertising that during Evo. I was like, that actually looks kind of fun. I wonder if it'll be good. I wonder if it'll be another, like, modern beat-em-up that's actually well-designed and fun. Yeah, no, yeah, that looks fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I bet, I bet you, I bet it is. I bet it's perfectly fine. I forget who was making it, if it was... It has a very like way forward sort of or yeah. not sort of vibe, but no, it's mm-hmm. apparently by Secret Base. Okay, not familiar. Not at all either. Apparently, they did something called Streets of Red Devil's Dare Deluxe. Okay, I don't know what that is. It is a. It looks like a beat 'em up. Yeah, it sounds like a beat 'em up. Yeah, beat 'em up co- combined with like the aesthetic of Binding of Isaac. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, huh. Interesting. I'm realizing Double Dragon has, like, a similar place to Contra in my brain. Yeah. That it's, like, it has these original games that are, like, highly regarded as influential. Mm -hmm. And then after a certain point, it just crops up occasionally, and you're like, I wonder if that one's good. Yeah. And the answer is almost universally no. Yeah. Yeah. Usually not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that sounds about right. Yeah, no, I think that is a very, um... A very like good analogy. Like, they're analogous to each other, certainly. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That said, like, I know we just had a new Mortal Kombat movie that was fine, mm-hmm. and we had that Legends of Chun-Li movie that was bad, and we'll probably have another Street Fighter movie. Yeah. Like, if you wanted to make a new Double Dragon movie, again, you could just do that. You could. Yeah, there's nothing stopping you, honestly. There is no barrier to entry. There's no legacy of Double Dragon. You just need Jimmy and Billy, mm-hmm. and they fight gangs in a city. Yeah. Congratulations, you've made Double Dragon. You did it. Yeah, like, I think your only barrier is that Arxis does actually seem to care about quality, so ah, you, you, will, you yeah. will have to try. But, I mean, just make, like, a Netflix thing. Yeah, yeah, there we go. You sh- some They'll eventually make a good video game adaptation or something. Yeah. Yeah, eventually. Eventually. Castlevania was pretty good for a while. Oh, right, Castlevania. They already did. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Oh, to to be fair, half of it was really good. Yeah, that is a good point, yeah. Dracula's Midlife Crisis was good. The rest is a little bleh. Yeah. Mm. Well, with that, I'm going to go have a midlife crisis of my own. (laughs) And if you want to listen to other episodes that don't involve midlife crises just video games mostly some of them do (laughs) actually some of them do actually (laughs) you should go to ftp.podbean.com or search for fallen through plot holes on your podcast service of choice you know leave us a follow and a review you know tell us about what you know video game movie that had already been made that you want netflix to remake and do a bad job with which uh, which lead actor do you want to be wildly miscast into the role of say i don't know mega man i'm gonna go with wing commander starring joseph gordon levitt that sounds like a nightmare it sure does that sounds awful i don't like that at all alex (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) oh i can't wait for that to end up happening yeah (laughs) well alex thank you for doing this with me as always of course and take care buddy take care